Hello and welcome to another installment of the Weird Chronicles. Each episode, we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malifaux and the other side. Many of the denizens of Malifaux end up on the wrong side of the law, and many more have secrets that they'd rather not share. So when a train journey turns into a crime scene, finding the culprit is no easy task because everyone has something to hide. I hope you enjoy The Silver Bullet. The Silver Bullet by Joey Lewis Elias Silversmith checked his watch. He was wont to do that. As the head of security aboard the Silver Bullet luxury train line, it was his duty to ensure that the train ran smoothly, no matter its configuration. Tonight it was 14 cars, five custom-tailored sleeping cars, five storage cars, a dining suite, a kitchen, an armory, and a final car for the staff's quarters. Each needed to be in their proper position, and no hitches could be brooked in any of them. Elias knew how valuable it could be for his bosses to have the current passengers as potential sponsors, the illusion of safety was a precious commodity in Malifaux. Elias checked his watch again. Six in the evening. It would be some time yet before the train would reach its destination, Ridley. He stuck his watch into his uniform pocket and turned to the two guards he had stationed at the door to the armoury car. He gave them a curt nod and turned to enter the dining car. The contrast between the Spartan metallic walls of the armoury car and the pristine cleanliness of the dining car was always a sight that bewildered Elias's eyes. Moreover, where nothing of note was happening near the armory, the dining car was abuzz with the passengers' conversation. That's a trick to keeping them in line, you see. Discipline, Mr. Palmer was saying to Lady Rako. They'll tell you all about the plight of the working man, how hard it is to just swing a pickaxe all day. But at the end of the day, they're just reaching into the guild's pockets. Into my pockets. And don't get me started on the people above me. Lady Ryko sipped her tea silently for a moment. Indeed, your immediate superior went missing recently, didn't he? What was his name? Mr. Claiborne, wasn't it? Mr. Palmer paled briefly. How could you possibly know that? Lady Ryko smirked. I have my connections. Information is vital this side of the breach, wouldn't you say? Quite right. Mr. Palmer wheezed. Excuse me, I have to attend to something. He got up and made his way towards Elias, meaning to go around towards the back of the train. Elias gave him a polite nod, but didn't move out of his way. Sleeping cars are the other direction. Mr. Palmer's eyes darted about. Just needed to head back to the kitchen car real quick. Dinner is taking quite some time, and you know I used to be something of a cook. Elias shook his head. I'm sorry, sir. That portion of the train is staff only. Mr. Palmer glared and grumbled, but headed back to his table. Elias glanced around the car. Only four people, but there were five passengers total. Old Bill Schaefer was missing. Elias sighed. Old Bill had been riding the Silver Bullet for some time now. Nobody knew exactly how he afforded his tickets, but he wasn't quite right. 
If he was having one of his paranoid fits, the last thing Elias needed was his anxiety spreading to the other passengers. He needed to go find the man, in case he needed to be calmed down. It seemed he became more deranged with each trip. Elias stopped before Dr. Brink and Mr. Monaghan. Pardon me, gentlemen. Have either of you seen Bill Schaefer? Dr. Brink turned and beamed at him. Ah, Mr. Silversmith. No, I'm afraid I have not. But perhaps you can help settle something for us. Mr. Monaghan here is quite the fisherman, it seems. He even won, what was it? Malifaux's big fish competition. Mr. Monaghan piped up. Quite right, quite right, said Dr. Brink. And I was trying to teach him the best techniques for preserving such a fish as a trophy. Do you have any experience in the area, Mr. Silversmith? Elias didn't have time for this, but he had already annoyed one of the train's rich and powerful patrons tonight. He could afford to indulge this one for a bit. I'm afraid I do not, sir. Dr. Brink sniffed. Ah, well, the key is desiccation, in other words, the removal of water. You see, water is necessary for the decomposition process to begin, so its removal is absolutely vital to preservation. Once that is done, there are a number of chemicals which can be applied to best ward off decay. The eyes, though. Preserving the eyes is always the difficult part. Elias nodded. The intricacy involved in doing something so simple as preserving a trophy fish is quite amazing. Dr. Brink frowned. Yes, trophy fish. Quite right, quite right. He sipped his drink. Mr. Monaghan brightened once the doctor went silent. You'd never believe how many teeth those buggers had. The big fish competition is as much art as it is sport. We all know how Malifaux can produce some strange creatures and the fish here. He chuckled. It sounds incredibly interesting. Elias checked his watch. But I really should find Bill Schaefer. My employers frown on me when I lose passengers. I think I will check the storage cars. The two nodded politely and continued their conversation. Elias headed down the line of cars towards the storage compartments. He gave a brief check of each one as he went, no telling where that crazy old coot was off to, or what trouble he was in this time. The last time Bill rode the silver bullet, he had decided that the train was haunted. In his hysteria, he actually managed to convince the other passengers, and Elias had spent far too much of his precious time reassuring them that there were no bloodthirsty ghosts on board and, when that failed, searching the train for the creatures on their insistence. He could only hope old Bill hadn't worked himself into a frenzy already. The storage car was cramped with boxes upon boxes. Elias found old Bill Schaefer sitting on one such box, looking out the fourth window on the left side. Elias gave Bill a respectful salute. Hey, Bill, everything okay over here? I was worrying after you. Bill started. He was clearly nervous. Well, you see, you're going to think I'm crazy, but there's something out there. I think, I think it's a gremlin. Elias raised an eyebrow. A gremlin? I know, I sound like I've lost my mind, but I swear I can see gremlins out there. Elias nodded. What are these gremlins doing? I think they're sabotaging the rails. They're going to blow us up. Elias scratched his chin. Hmm, let me take a look. Bill got off his box to give Elias the room he needed to look out the window. The train stretched onwards into the night, with nothing but barren wilderness for miles in any direction. Just then, the train lurched, 
throwing him forward and came to a stop. Elias rushed to the train's speaking tube, bellowing into it. What the hell is going on up there? Minor mechanical failure, came the reply. We're working on it. Old Bill was pinned between some boxes which had tumbled free. It's the gremlins, he shouted. Elias rolled his eyes. There are no gremlins out there. It's just some minor engine trouble. We'll be moving soon enough. Old Bill's eyes darted around wildly. Then what was that noise? I heard someone scuffing about in here. This is just what Elias needed. Old Bill was paranoid enough without any actual problems. Come on, Bill, let's get you up. Old Bill was leaning heavily against one of the piles of boxes. You all right, Bill? Didn't get clipped, did you? Old Bill shook his head. No, I, I, I'm okay. I just, I just need a... He shifted his weight and then cried out in surprise as he felt the crate he was leaning against start to tip. Old Bill grabbed for it, but it was too late. It broke open with a splintering crash. Inside was a well-dressed man, bound and gagged. He looked up at the baffled Elias and Bill, wriggled, and let out a muffled series of grunts. Who the hell are you? Elias asked as he undid the man's gag. The stowaway? The man spat and glared. Piss on that. I paid for my ticket like everyone else. Only difference is I was knocked out at the platform and thrown in here. Elias paled. They had sold five tickets for this trip. He went to the onboard phone. Get all our guests in the dining suite. Are you sure that's a good idea? They've already riled with the explosion and all that. Shouldn't we give them a chance to... These aren't our guests anymore. They're our suspects. Now do as I say and get them to the dining suite. Roger Silversmith. The boss isn't going to be happy with this. I hope you know what you're doing. Elias and Bill helped the stranger to his feet. What's your name? Elias asked. Holst. James Holst. Well, Mr. Holst, welcome aboard the Silver Bullet. You'll have to pardon me if I don't roll out the welcome map, but you presented us with quite the conundrum. After all, if only five tickets were bought, who's the sixth passenger? The tension in the dining car was palpable. Lady Ryko looked at the gathering disdainfully. Why have you summoned me here, guardsman? I am not one of your minions, obedient to your beck and call. Elias nodded. I mean no respect, my lady, but as you can see, we have a bit of a problem here. Lady Ryko waved a hand, as if that would dispel her troubles. Just execute the stairway and be done with it. No need for me to be here. Mr. Holst slammed his palms down on the table and stood. You watch your tongue. I'm no stowaway, I swear on my life. Elias glared at Mr. Holst. Sit down, Mr. Holst. Mr. Holst cowed, sat down. I don't even know why I'm here. I was kidnapped. Shouldn't that prove my innocence? Elias gestured for a guard to bring forward the rope used to tie up Mr. Holst. It would, except... With a single hard tug, the knot was undone. So for all we know, you might be trying to play us for fools, and I'm no fool, Mr. Holst. Mr. Holst sputtered a response, but Mr. Monaghan put a hand on his shoulder to quiet him. What are you saying, Mr. Silversmith? Elias closed his eyes and took a deep breath. One of you here is a liar. Chaos erupted. I never, how 
dare you? The Guild will not stand for this. I'll see you hang for accusing me. Dr. Brink stood up indignantly. Elias glared at Dr. Brink. Sit down, Dr. Brink. Dr. Brink chortled. I won't sit here and have my integrity besmirched by the likes of you. As Dr. Brink made for the door, which would take him back to his personal car, Elias whipped out a long-barreled revolver and blasted his hat off. Dr. Brink dropped to the ground, clutching at his hat-bereft head. As I was saying, clarified Elias as two guardsmen carried Dr. Brink back to his seat. We currently have five tickets and six passengers all claiming to have purchased a ticket. At best, we have a stowaway. Someone just wanted to ride in luxury on the cheap. If so, please turn yourself in. It will be easier on you. At worst, what we have right now in our midst could be a doppelganger. They never born shapeshifter. The crowd grew deadly silent at that. My only recourse is to investigate each one of you and see who's got holes in their story. And you? Elias grabbed Dr. Brink by the collar. You're the first to volunteer, you lucky son of a bitch. Dr. Brink blanched. You can't do this, not to me. I'm a doctor. I'm a respected citizen. You don't have any authority. You don't have any right. Elias tapped his badge with his revolver barrel. I have the only right. Dr. Brink squirmed uncomfortably on his box in the cargo car. Elias sat down on the box in front of him and leaned forward, resting a hand on his chin. So, tell me what kind of business has the esteemed Dr. Brink riding the silver bullet this fine night? Dr. Brink dabbed at his forehead with a handkerchief. Why, I, I was visiting a patient of mine in Ridley, you see. Elias stood up and walked over to the wall of storage boxes. Really? Great deal of cargo for a simple visit. Dr. Brink scowled. I'm a salesman on the side. I was also hoping I could start up a small business in Ridley. Elias raised one eyebrow. A small business? And what might you be selling to the good people of Ridley, Dr. Brink? Why, it's a new form of packaging. It'll help people keep their perishable goods from expiring. It also does wonders for foul smells. Elias slipped a long knife out from his boot and tapped one of the boxes. So you're telling me if I opened up one of these here, I'd find a bunch of packages? Dr. Brink paused, then nodded slowly. Elias jammed his knife into the box. No, please don't! The box opened, releasing a series of packages in black wrapping. Doesn't look like just some old packaging to me, Doc. Dr. Brink tried to stand, but the guards behind him kept their hands on his shoulders and forced him back down. Elias displayed the knife to Dr. Brink. Shall we see what's inside? Elias slashed open the package and Dr. Brink gave a small cry. Inside was a vial of sickly fluid, which Elias uncorked. Everyone paled at the smell. Dr. Brink was sweating in terror. You, you can't prove anything. Just medical supplies. Elias scowled. I know this smell. It's embalming fluid, and the Guild has forbidden smuggling it. Too useful to resurrectionists. Dr. Brink winced. Fine, it's embalming fluid. I have some friends up in Ridley who pay good money for it. But I paid for my train ticket fair and square. Elias put his knife away and folded his arms. Maybe so, Doctor. But associating with resurrectionists is illegal in Malifaux, and the Silver Bullet takes great pride in not affiliating with any criminal activities. He looked to the guards. 
Take him to one of the back cars. We'll use it as a brig for now and turn him over to the authorities when we arrive in Ridley. The guards took Dr. Brink by the arms and carried him away as he screamed, I'll see you hang for this silversmith. I'll sue and see you hang. And when you're good and dead. The heavy car door slammed shut, cutting off Dr. Brink. Elias rubbed his temple and looked to the third guard. Send in Mr. Palmer and keep that gun ready. I don't expect him to be cooperative. Mr. Palmer was remarkably cooperative when he was called back. He sat down on a box and smiled at Elias. How can I help you, officer? Elias offered a slight shrug. You can start by answering my questions. Mr. Palmer chortled. Ask away, then. Why were you going to Ridley? Mr. Palmer wagged a finger. Well, now, that's official guild business. I can't answer that. Elias frowned. Okay, then. How about why were you so insistent on getting into the kitchen car earlier tonight? Mr. Palmer shrugged. Why, I simply thought that I could give Chef Murin some pointers. I was quite the cook. Are you sure? Mr. Palmer paused. What do you mean? Are you sure that's why you were so eager to get into the kitchen? Mr. Palmer's smile slowly dissipated. What are you inferring? Are you sure it didn't have anything to do with the other car that's next to the kitchen, the armory? Mr. Palmer looked taken aback. Why would I ever be interested in the armory of all things? Mr. Palmer, you haven't stopped twitching ever since you've gotten on this train. I think you'd like a weapon for protection. Question is, protection from who? Or what? The guild would protect me from anything. Really, anything. Even if you decided to go on a vacation on their tab? What? We've checked the tickets, Mr. Palmer. Someone didn't pay for theirs. The guild did. Question is, do they know? Gotten yourself in some trouble in Malifaux, have you? Needed a getaway? Because we can always turn around and take you back. Mr. Palmer began to sweat. I, I may have skirted around due process and arranged some unofficial executions, but the guild would... You're a murderer, Mr. Palmer. Would they? Mr. Palmer looked around helplessly, then fixed his eyes on the ground. Please don't take me back. Elias gestured for Mr. Palmer to be taken away to the makeshift brig. The third guard looked to Elias. Who should I send back next? Elias furrowed his brow. Mr. Monaghan. Mr. Monaghan bounced on his box. You're excited, are you, Mr. Monaghan? Mr. Monaghan beamed widely. Well, it's not every day we have ourselves a mystery, is it, Mr. Silversmith? I, for one, relish the thrill of it. Elias blinked, then referred to his notepad. Right. Anyway, you say you're a fisherman, Mr. Monaghan. Mr. Monaghan nodded enthusiastically. That's right. Won the Malifaux Big Fish Competition last year. I wasn't aware that Malifaux had any fishing competitions. They do. Not the most popular or lucrative thing in the world, but still a fun pastime. Not so lucrative, eh? Not so lucrative at all. I've had to take up other jobs to help support the habit, if I'm being honest. Other jobs? Indeed. I might not look it or act it on occasion, but I'm a man of many talents, Mr. Silversmith. I don't suppose one of those skills might be the art of deduction to help us solve our little doppelganger problem? Mr. Monaghan barked a laugh. I'm afraid not, Mr. Silversmith. I'm afraid not. 
Still, I'll do my absolute best to help in any way I can. Then you can start by telling me how you got a ticket for the silver bullet. Mr. Monaghan was taken aback. I beg your pardon. You yourself said that fishing in Malifaux isn't bringing you in a lot of money. The silver bullet isn't exactly a cheap buy. So how did you afford the ticket? Mr. Monaghan tapped his chin, struggling to remember. His face brightened with recognition. Ah, the ticket was a gift. A gift? Yes, you see, Mr. Silversmith, one of my talents is oration. I've been told early and often I'm a remarkably influential speaker. So my talents were recognised by, say, a certain organisation, and they may or may not have sent me on this particular train tonight to Ridley that I may speak on their behalf and potentially recruit additional members. And which organisation might that be, Mr Monaghan? Mr Monaghan put a finger to his lips. Trade secret, Mr Silversmith. Elias leaned forward. Mr Monaghan, lives are at risk here. Every second this doppelganger if it is one, goes uncaught, is another second where we're all in danger. Now will you help us? Mr. Monaghan gave it a moment of thought, then shrugged. It's the Miners and Steamfitters Union. They want me to help generate sympathy in Ridley. Elias blinked twice. The uh, Miners and Steamfitters Union. Mr. Monaghan nodded and smiled. That's right. They decided to send me in and help rally the townsfolk a little. Elias shrugged. Well, I don't know whether or not I agree with everything the Union says, but I don't see any real wrongdoing here. He gestured to the guards on either side of Elias. Take him back, but not to the brig. We'll keep him separate just so that we can keep track of who we've seen and who we haven't. Mr Monaghan called back to Elias. Have a nice night, Inspector. Elias cracked his jaw. I'm sure I will. He turned to the third guard. Send in Mr. Holst, please. Describe for me the events you can remember, Mr. Holst. Well, it all started when I bought the ticket. I'm a fry corpse man, Mr. Silversmith. And a smart one at that. I know when I'm being followed. And I was followed a great deal in the days after I bought my ticket. But every time I chased my pursuer, he'd inevitably get away. It wasn't until the day we were scheduled to depart that I got knocked over the head with something heavy and I woke up bound and gagged in that box. Perhaps you could describe your pursuer. That might help us to identify who might have taken your place. I can't say. Every time it was a different person. That lends credence to our doppelganger theory. But it doesn't help us identify the culprit. And what were you planning on doing in Ridley anyway? Mr. Holst rolled his shoulders. I was told there was work there, the kind of free corpse man like myself could use. Elias tapped his chin. I can't make too many promises, Mr. Holst, but I believe your story. You go on back with my boys and say hi to Mr. Monaghan for me. I'll check in and see if I can't get this situation squared away. Mr. Holst got up and nodded his gratitude. Elias turned to the third guard. Go ahead and bring back Lady Ryko. Elias waited for what seemed to be an inordinate amount of time when the third guard returned, bloodily wounded. Elias helped him sit down on the floor. What the hell happened? The third guard coughed, blood spraying a bit from his lips. She's not coming. Elias ripped off the guard's jacket and wadded it up. 
applying it to where the blood seemed to be stemming. He looked to the two returning guards. Keep up the pressure and keep him alive. Then he rose to his feet. I'm going to the dining suite. Elias brushed past the other cars and threw open the door to the dining car. There he found old Bill Schaefer sitting at the table, Lady Rako standing at one side of the room, and two security guards aiming their revolvers at Lady Rako. Elias scowled. Oh, what's this now? Lady Rako turned to him. I was hoping you could tell me. Four men went back with you, and none of them have returned. First of all, two of those men are criminals, and second of all, the separation is to help identify who's been processed and who hasn't. Lady Rako scoffed. Regardless, I won't go back with you. Elias glared. And what did you do to my guard? And where did you learn to fight like that? Lady Rako sipped her tea. I have always found it best to be prepared for anything. Elias rolled his eyes. Well now, resurrectionists, fry corpse, and the MNSU. I don't have time for more of this nonsense. Now come with me, milady, or we'll open fire. Lady Rako crossed her arms, not intimidated in the least. I think not. I believe this train will restart its progress and we will arrive in Ridley on time. Elias scowled and pulled out his long-barreled revolver. I'm the one who gives orders here, not you. Lady Rako met Elias, menace for menace, in her glare. For a long moment, neither budged an inch. Then, in a flash, Lady Rako drew a dagger from her sleeve and slashed faster than Elias could see. The guards fired off a hail of bullets, tearing Lady Rako to shreds. As the smoke cleared, they blinked and looked around. One of them spoke up. We're, we're in trouble, aren't we? Old Bill slowly came out from hiding. You shot her. Elias winced. Don't worry, I think I can fix this. But she was an important woman. She had connections. I heard rumors about the thunders and your employers need more patrons. Old Bill was shivering. Elias blew out a slow breath. We're all in this, Bill. Everyone on this train could be implicated. Bill cowered. Me? But I... Elias cut him off. Don't worry, I can make this right for all of us. He turned to the guards. Get the other passengers out here and get a shovel from the tools in the armory. Within a few hours, the injuries were bandaged, the embalming fluid was dumped in the dirt, and the body was buried. Elias, the passengers, and the crew who weren't needed to operate the train were crammed in the dining car. Elias eyed each individual in turn. Most of us had our issues with the law tonight, and those of us who didn't are implicated just the same. Whoever Lady Rako was working for, not to mention my employers, will suspect all of us. I've already talked to the engine crew. They're not too keen on a mechanical failure being linked to tonight's events. There were grumbles and sideways looks among the assembled people. Elias continued. The way I see it, we sold five tickets. We have five passengers. We had some minor engine trouble which delayed our trip. As for Lady Rako, I've never heard of her. Understand? But what about the extra passenger? Whispered Mr. Monaghan. If somebody wanted to get on a luxury train on the cheap, I'm no longer worried about it. Elias said with iron in his voice. Nor will I worry about any suspicious cargo or who might be running from what. We're all in this together. 
Mr. Monaghan continued. But what if we have a dob... Five people boarded this train as passengers, and five people will get off. Not every mystery needs to be solved. Everyone understand? Elias cut him off and put his hand on his pistol. Mr. Monaghan swallowed, but said nothing more. As the train raced onwards into the night, Elias looked out into the darkness and chuckled to himself as he toyed with the six tickets in his pocket. Humans, he thought. They always were so much fun. That's it for another instalment of The Weird Chronicles. Join us next time for more tales of action and adventure.